Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome to episode 14 of the Social Fishing Podcast. Now, I really do hope you are enjoying every episode and we are continually mixing up the topics we talk about and the people we interview. In this episode, I was lucky enough to talk with the one and only Paul Burt. Now, if you're based in Queensland, chances are you know who Paul is. But for those of you who don't know, Paul is a TV presenter and has spent most of his career in front of a camera and is currently the weather expert for Channel 7 and delivers Queenslanders their weather report every afternoon. More importantly though, Paul has a massive love and passion for fishing and has recently launched a new TV show called Step Outside. Now, Paul showed me some of the episodes they have already produced, and it takes a different angle to all the other shows that are available. We discuss more about Step Outside in the podcast and how it all started, along with Paul's story, how he grew up, and why he has this incredible passion for fishing. Most importantly, out of all those accolades, Paul is just a top Aussie bloke. He is true and genuine, which is hard quality to find these days. He was happy to sit down and share everything he knew about our main topic of discussion, which was the Aussie bass. Growing up in Queensland, the closest freshwater fish to Paul was the bass, and he spent plenty of time on the water chasing them. And in this episode, we talk everything about bass, including some top areas to target them in southeast Queensland, techniques to use, areas to target, how they behave, and a heap of other tips and secrets that Paul uses to find success. I really enjoyed this episode. We covered plenty of content and Paul not only knows so much about what he's talking about, he is a funny bloke and I could spend a lot of time chatting with him. Now, I want to mention this episode was filmed at the Sydney Boat Show in between our talks on stage. So there may be a tiny bit of background noise as there was a bit of music playing here and there, but it shouldn't take away from how much you'll enjoy this episode. Now, before we jump in, one other thing that I want to mention uh, is the social fishing accounts are now out and you can create an account for free and this is where you can go to submit your listener questions to this podcast. So if you have a question for us, you want us to answer, please send it through uh, on the listener questions section inside the social fishing accounts and we will answer them in the episodes where I sit down with Talos and Chris. Send them through, we would love to hear your questions. Also, I want to say thank you for all the incredible feedback and messages we have been receiving about the podcast. It's great to know that the content we talk about is helping everyone and we will continue to bring you some great episodes. If you have sent us a message or you love the podcast, please, um, if you could do us a favor, head over to Apple Podcasts app if you use it and leave a review there as well. And if you use a different app, leave a review on that app if it allows you. The more reviews on the app, the better. So please go there and also rate the podcast. All right, guys, without further ado, let's jump in and talk about Australian bass with the one and only Paul Burt. Welcome, guys, back to the Social Fishing Podcast. Now, I am very excited and privileged to be sitting down with Paul Burt. Mate, thank you for joining me. Hey, anytime there, Reese. It's, it's been a lot of fun uh, over the years of uh, getting into the fishing and talking to people about a lot of different techniques and uh, 
styles and uh, mate it's great to sit down with you i wouldn't say privilege though. i'm just a normal bloke like yourself no no really you you do a lot uh you have a, a lot of time in your day it goes to a lot of things so i really appreciate you cool. sitting down now we're actually for for those of you who want to know we're actually at the city boat show yes. and we've been here for five days it's been a big five days hasn't it it's been massive you know it's great to see yourself up on the stage there teaching even you know people like uh you know, starlo and myself and all these you know people i guess who have been engracing the screens of uh, of, of both of our lives uh, you know, seeing these people up there and, and listening to what both you and I have to say, I think that's pretty cool. Everyone learns something. It just goes to show that uh, people of that magnitude still learn as well. Yeah, that, and that's great. Now, for those of people who don't know who Paul is, because a lot of listeners will be in New South Wales. Yeah, cool. Mate, um, just start off, where mm. are you from? We just want a bit of background about yourself. Well, I'm a Maroon supporter, so that pretty much <laughs> says I'm a Queenslander, you know, through and through. I was born in the West, so I grew up around a lot of freshwater stuff, uh, but then, uh, you know, I was been on the coast my whole life, Gold Coast, and from there, you know, uh, you know, grew up around islands, up around the central coast of Queensland on the Gold Coast, and uh, you know, just always had that, always had that passion that since I was a, a young kid. Passion for fishing. Passion for fishing. I started fishing when I was four years old. Do you and remember what was your earliest memory, fishing memory? Absolutely. You... We grew up in a caravan park. Didn't have a lot of money. Dad was always away working, and uh, we had our site, our home, uh, right beside the boat ramp. So I remember Dad had his little tinny out the back there, and. And, uh, you know, I'd just go out there and I'd break a reed off the actual, um, around the water's edge, because they, they, they were floating, they were reeds, so yeah. you'd break them off, you'd get the hard one, and I'd just get some fishing line, I'd learn how to tie some knots, you always grew any knots back in those days, yeah. um, or a blood knot, uh, but I never locked it, so I'd always lose some little fish, but I'd have a little tiny suicide hook, uh, about a number, probably number six, and I would make some flour and water together, mix it up with a bit of cotton wool, Worked it all out myself and, uh, and that made a, a dough. And I'd go out there with a hand line, a little reed on the surface, and I'd throw that in the water and I'd watch the reed twick to the left and right and I'd catch a little bony brim and glassy herring and all these yeah, little things. Right. And, and every now and then I'd hook onto something a little bit bigger, like a brim or maybe a trevally or something, and you know, you just go hell for leather with it. And that was brackish water, well, right up the backwaters of a creek called Biggera Creek there you go. on the Gold Coast. Hmm. Nice. And that's, that's where you remember growing up and fishing the very earliest memories and then it just went from there. From there, absolutely. And my mum had her sister living on an island off Gladstone. So every school holidays we'd go up and see them. It was off Facing Island, which is on the southern side of Curtis Island, Gladstone. And Curtis Island was never like it was, is now back then. God, it's all natural. And we'd hook, uh, you know, mud crabs out of the, out of the holes using a, a big piece of, uh, of wire with a hook on it. You could hook back then. Uh, and also with my brother and I, Dougie, who owns a Tackle World store, we'd get in a, a little rowboat at the base and row across uh, to a reef, yeah, the boat was only eight foot and we had hand lines, didn't have rods, and we'd just pick the fish down. You'd see the cod and every now and then you'd see the shark come along that was bigger than your boat, so we'd be pretty much on the plane rowing as fast as we could back. And then, you know, we'd also pump yabbies. Um, Dougie used to pump yabbies uh, to make pocket money and so did I, and we used to pump a thousand yabbies and get five dollars. Uh, and I'd have to uh, allow 10% more for death because the bottom 10% of the Yabby yeah. pile would get crushed and they'd die. Yeah. So I had to do 1100 but the thing was, it sounds like not a lot of money, but when you're pumping five or 6,000 uh, and go back you know, 35, 40 years ago, it's a lot of money. Yeah, no, so it's, it's interesting. We all have this same passion, but we all have a different experience growing up depending on where you're based. But yeah. in the end, we all enjoy the same thing. Absolutely, and it's fantastic. It is, it's, it's just that come together. Fishing brings people together. 
And it's frustrating and downright annoying at times as well. You know, when you, you go out there and something goes wrong and weather turns bad, you're all excited and get a flat tire and you miss the sunrise. I mean, all that happens. But still, at the end of the day, you know, everyone comes together. Exactly right, exactly right. Now, for those, a lot of our listeners, listeners would be in New South Wales, but yeah. if some are listening in Queensland, they probably already know who you are. Yeah. What do you do with yourself now? Yeah. Um, and explain to the New South Wales crew who are listening yeah, cool. what you do. Absolutely. Well, I started in the media uh, doing some radio stuff, you know, back in uh, 1996, uh, of which I then progressed into helping a mate out do his little TV stint that he had in Queensland. And, um, and, and eventually uh, I, I got on to doing the weather for Channel 7 because every time I'd go fishing, I'd always want to know what the weather was doing and I'd always look at the charts and yep. I, I got really interested in it. So I just really followed that all the way through. And of course, with that, I've done the whole donut. So I started with Seven, worked for Tim Bailey on Channel 10 for a gone fishing program. Yeah. Uh, left that and went to work for Channel 9, did a lot of stuff on the Today Show. Probably the most famous one is I caught a duck. And Carl, yes. good old Carl Stefanovic, he, uh, you know, we both played it up together. It was a lot of fun. So, you know, a lot of those hits of, all those sites have had over you know, 10 million sort of people looking at it. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. I've seen that. Yeah, clip. it was cool. And then I went and uh, now I work for Channel 7. So I'm the coastal and weather uh, person that they call on. They say expert. I don't like to call myself that. Uh, person that they call on when there's cyclones, we get up to the top of cyclone country and we get dropped anywhere where there's a lot of, bad stuff going on that I like to be involved in. Yeah, right. So you bring Queenslanders their weather at night Absolutely. every day. Yeah, so uh, Gold Coast uh, Tuesday to uh, Friday and Brisbane's Thursday through to Saturday and we do a, an outside report with that as well and that step outside has pushed us into my TV show now which is on 7 Mate, seen around the country uh, every Sunday afternoon. Yeah, nice. Mm. Nice. That is what I do want to touch on. It, you've been telling me about that while we've been up here at the boat show. Yeah. It is super exciting. Can you tell yeah. a little bit more about Step Outside? Absolutely. You know, things I've just spoken to you about, about, you know, the, the simplicities of getting out there and having a crack. Um, you know, I see a lot of these fishing shows and I've been involved in a lot and I've had producers and I've had people saying, yeah, you no, know, you can't do this. You have to do yep. it this way. And they may not have any clue about fishing, They're more about coffee shops, but you know, it was more frustrating and, and, and I decided to do a show that I thought was more unique for everybody. So we put a lot of good fishing in there, high-end fishing, but I love to get the people who are wanting to get into it. So more along the lines of how do you pump a yabby? How do you put a yabby on a hook? How do you bait a prawn up? How do you put a swimming prawn on a hook? How do you make the live prawn dance on a hook? Simple things. How to troll your baits, how to rig a live bait correctly, how to bridle up a live bait, how to cast a rod, how to flick a bait caster, how to read your sander, how to cast a cast net for Queensland, Northern Territories. You know, there's a lot of different things that we do, how to catch a luteric. Yep. You know, there's a lot, it's all the how-to library that we do and, and I basically put that into a program because a lot of people, when I'm around, I've got two young boys to go to school, one high school, one primary, and I'd be there and I'd get so many parents coming up and saying, hey, Paul, how do you do this? I, I, I see you, I know you do this and rah, rah, rah on the news, but how do you, how do, you do it? Where should we go fishing this weekend? So I decided to put a show together, Seven Channel 7 being with them, um, they put it on Seven Mate, and that was a year ago to the Sydney Boat Show. Yes. So you today. And so it's, it's on air now? Absolutely, afternoon. So check your local guides, 5 p.m. for uh, Victoria, South Australia, and of course, uh, Western Australia. Uh, Queensland, New South Wales varies depending on the football or cricket, depending right. on the time of the year, depending when you're listening to this. Yep. Okay, um, you know, it's 5 p.m. all around the country, but Queensland, New South Wales, 
does differ from time to time. But just jump on Seven Mate and look on Seven Plus and just type in Step Outside with Paul Burton. Hopefully you'll uh, get some enjoyment. Because a couple of days ago while we've been at the boat show, you showed me a bit of one of the shows and a few snippets here and there. Yeah. And it's a really, I love how you put it together. And it's all about teaching people and giving people the tools and the knowledge so they can go do it for themselves. And Absolutely. I am a massive believer in that. And that's yeah. what we do with social fishing. So it's good, good to see a show mm. like that out there. So for our listeners, we have a lot of freshwater listeners. It'd be a great thing for your kids to watch or yeah. your young fellas growing up who want to learn bits and pieces. And yeah. you, you cover freshwater stuff in the show as well? Absolutely. You know, growing up uh, on the Gold Coast, you know, and, and I was born at a place called Boona. And Boona is out the west. And you've got Mugra Dam, Maroon Dam, all these sort of dam areas. And there's cod, there's yellow belly, there's bass. So all of that sort of stuff is where I, I also fished a lot because my dad worked on roads, Somerset Dam, big bass country. Yep. So I fished up there a lot, chased red claw, you know, we've done all that. So, you know, um, I guess I've still got that and I love that passion. I'm a bit of a Matty Hayden of cricket, an all-rounder. Yeah. You can fly fish for a marlin, fly fish for a trout, fly fish for a brim, whether it's two inches long or two kilo, I don't care. It's fun, you know. If you want to pick up a one kilo spin rod, go for it. You want to pick up a 37 kilo game outfit and target a big blue marlin or a giant tuna, not a problem. So really spread your love around the whole fishing arena. So you're confident when someone comes up and talks to you, one, you can engage in a, a worldly conversation and, and two, uh, it gives you a really good experience. And that's what you're basically showing through the show. 100%, absolutely, yeah, yeah for sure, mate. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. So, you know, I, I'm not one of those shows that we have, and, and the beauty is my wife and I own it. It's just us. So if I want to put a young fella on there who's five years old and he catches a brim that is two inches long and that is the main fishing segment out of the whole show, I don't care. You know what? That little kid has got a smile from one side of his head to the other and he's got a camera there and he's showing us what he's doing and what he's loving and that to me is it. To have a lot of other shows out there, they can have the glory shots of the big GTs in the middle of the Coral Sea or wherever, I don't care. Yep. That's, there is a niche market for that and I understand that. But at the same time, there's a market there for people wanting to learn, people wanting to get out there and experience things. And I've teamed up with Anaconda Australia and a lot of the combos that we use in our show are cheap, like the Quickfire uh, you know, 702 with a Sedona 4000 on it, 79 to $100, odd you know, yep. pretty cheap stuff. Uh, Rod Real Line, the whole lot. And, you know, it, it, we, I use that chasing Barra, Mangrove Jacks, Trevally. I, I won't go and use really top-of-the-range, out-of-control outfits. I'd rather teach people and say, hey, you don't need a million dollars to do that. The other shows can do that, and good on them. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I agree, and it's, that's, I include that kind of thing in my talk out there. It's not about yeah. the gear. No. It's about teaching people yeah. so they can get out there and have fun. And if they like it, then as they get older, they can buy something a bit more. That's right, that's right, that's exactly right. Now, what I want to talk to you about in this episode is Australian bass. Now, yeah. You've done it. a lot of saltwater stuff, but you also yeah. fish in the fresh. Yeah. You're, like you said, you're an all-rounder. Yeah. Now, Australian bass, you would get a lot up in your neck of the woods, and yes. they live in that sort of Great Divide area. They Correct. swing right down through New South Wales as well. They're an incredible sports fish, aren't they? Absolutely, they're brilliant. Uh, not the best pallet fish on, on the plate, but uh, they are great. I think I've ever only ever eaten one, and it wasn't the nicest fish. I thought, you know what, too beautiful. And he had a hook down his throat, so you know, obviously did the right thing. Yep. But, um, but no, everyone else I, I, I've, I've released. But they are great, yes, from the dividing range to the eastern seaboard. Yep. Um, where we catch those, uh, the backwaters of the Cooma River, the Narang River, the Tweed River, 
these are my backyards. So this is up, is this up in Queensland? Yeah, the Gold Coast. Yep. So you've got the major city of surface paradise in the Gold Coast and just 10 minutes to the west you've got an area called Clear Island Waters. Some of the lakes around Clear Island Waters you catch in Trevally the size of a combi van. Okay, they get in there, there's so yeah, much wow. food they don't need to move. So you get these amazing fishing areas. But the, the freshwater or brackish water areas um, have been stocked many, many years ago, particularly from Mudribar Creek, which yep. is now Boobigan Creek, runs into Clear Island Waters. That area there is, is a great breeding ground because they can go up and back and they, and they breed. But the upper reaches of the dams, particularly the Somerset and the Hens Dam in particular, heading up into Numabar Valley, great, fantastic fishing. We do a lot of crayfish fishing, so I'll catch some, you know, little freshwater shrimp and all that sort of stuff and yep. put them on hooks and, and out you go. But also spinnerbaits, poppers particularly in summer. And it's yeah. just a telltale sign that when you hear the cicadas, it's using nature. You hear the cicadas, the, the ringing in your ear. Got the older guys out there and, and girls, I'm, I'm hearing you. Because you do, you, you hear, you got this thing in your <laughs> ear sometimes. You go, go away. I don't know if I'm crazy or not. I think it's something called something, but anyway. Um, so when you hear the cicadas in the, in the air during those muggy, warm mornings and nights uh, in summer, that's the telltale sign to get out there with a popper and flick those banks. And I love kayaking. I uh, love stand-up paddleboard fishing. Yeah, That's right. a cool thing. I love surfing. So, you know, get on your board and just paddle up there and put the rod between your legs, find a snag, and in you go, and out comes the bass. Nice. That's the go. So you touched on a few of the spots you target them, and you said you use both bait and lures. Yeah. So for someone who's yeah. never fished for bass, right? Yes, yes. They're a very aggressive fish, yes. really good fun. They fight really hard. Yes. A big bass is about... 50 centimetres in length? That's, Correct, and they get really fat, depending on what they're feeding on too. So if they're feeding on a, you get a lot of the uh, the freshwater fleas, sort of like a little uh, insect. Yep. If they're feeding on balls of those, the belly can grow out to be like a like a ginormous sumo wrestler on <laughs> yeah. this bass, you know, and they and get quite large. So when you get them into the 50 centimetre of the fork, uh, you know, they, they can get up to uh, a couple of kilos easily, you know, and we're talking big, solid, and they hit hard, mm. but they spike you, be aware, when you grab them, they don't have teeth, okay? So you can put your finger in their mouth, just rest the belly, but be aware that every spike on their fish, and particularly the gill rakes, they're super sharp. You could shave them, they're so sharp. That uh, they, they flick and they just pull all their spines straight out towards you, and instantly, if you get spiked or cut, it stings massively. Yeah. So be aware of that, and just lip grip them and hold the belly up and take a photo and back into the water. Very similar to a golden perch. Golden perch has the same gill rakers, same spine. So yeah, just be careful holding them. So yeah. like you touched on real quick, what baits did you say you used for yeah. them and what kind of technique would you use when bait fishing? And the other thing I do want to talk about is some tactics and techniques for dams yes. versus the rivers and the streams and yeah, things like that. For sure. If you're going out there for your bass, the rig I use firstly is a Pat Nosser rig if you're live baiting. Okay, um, and I'd put a small sinker on the bottom, maybe a, a ball sinker's fine, you don't need a teardrop sinker or anything like that. You're not using a four ounce or an eight ounce, it's, you know, it's yep. no current. So I'd be using like a number two or a number three maximum ball sinker, okay, and I'd have two loops going off up top, and that's just your Pat Nosser rig. And on that, I'd use more like a, a live bait, a mustard live bait, uh, probably a size. That's the hook? Correct. Uh, about a size two, okay, so it's got a, it's a live bait hook where it just sort of really swings around at the front there, it hooks back in on itself. Yep. Kind of like a weird tuna circle style. Yeah, they, they're also called wide gap hooks wide as gap. well. That's right, yep. and like a, like a big mouth. And so basically you just put that at the back end of the tail of your live shrimp, go from the bottom to the top, so he's facing up and the barb's facing out the top of, the, uh, yep. of his shell, uh, not upside down, and just drop them down. Put two on, drop them down and have a crack. But you've got to, the important thing is that you've got to use baits found in the area.
Okay, you're not going to catch a, a saltwater yabby. Okay, I know Yellowbelly love yabbies in creeks and rivers and stuff, but uh, in the freshwater. Yep. But um, you, you can't take a bait that's foreign to the region. Right. You have to sit there and you have to use a local bait, garden worms, witchetty grubs, cicadas, and of course shrimps. So if you can catch a cicada, yeah. put a hook and Absolutely. Him out. Some of the best lures you've ever got are the, the cicada looking lures with the wings yeah, that flap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we go down to uh, around in Boyder, all those back areas of Grafton, and, and target, you know, we get cod out there and we get, of course, bass on the other side of the range. And same deal, you get out there with the cicada lures, cast them out, and just as you're walking back across the surface, it's just like a, a cicada that's falling in off the tree. And that's yeah. what I'm saying, you hear the noise, use baits that are similar or lures to, to what's found in the area. Um, there are very... It's not a fast action when we, when we use um, lures. Uh, we'll get back onto the bait first, actually. Yep. Um, with the bait, uh, so shrimps, garden worms, all of that sort of stuff there. Um, if you're fishing an impoundment, best to look for the riverbeds. Right. Okay, find the old riverbed. Um, and I know you do in your talk fantastic ways of using Google Earth and all that sort of stuff. Totally understand that. And that's, that's right. You know, use technology to your advance. But um, if there's an old riverbed, and there will be, because where the catchments are, it's, it's what happens, um, find the old riverbeds and work those riverbeds. And that's a really good key place to find your bass. Structure's really good. If it's warm water, say it's around 27, 28, they'll come to the surface. Right. When it drops down, it's a bit cooler. Generally, they'll go into the thermoclines, and you'll see them all balling up on the points around those pressure points that I'm talking about. Um, so you find them balling up on the points, and in those little inlets where there's a lot of trees hanging out in structure, the idea is to get them out of the snags because they'll brick you straight away and they hit hard. So the gear that I would use would be like a Shimano Corrado is a good right size reel, a 150. You can also use um, the new DC reel, which is the, uh, the electronic digitally controlled reel, eliminates yep. overruns for anyone out there. Um, and of course the SLX range. So anything like that, you know, three to five kilo. If you really want to get into your bass on lures and stuff like that, um, I'd recommend really doing your drag up, put 20 pound braid on. 20 pound braid, yep. 2020 yep. is, right. is what we say. So 2020, and of course, if you want to get bass, if the barometer is 1,020 and plus, the bass are plenty. It's the same That's as cod. That's the same as cod, that's what yeah. we say down in the south. Yeah. So with the, the fact that, that you go 2020 is because you want to go as much as you can yeah. before you either lose distance in your cast or you spook the fish based on the leader being too thick, but you don't want to go too low because they're just going to bust you off. Absolutely. Because they the, go hard. Correct, they go hard. straight, and, and they're living in structure. They're like a mangrove jack of the tropics. They live in the structure. They live around the areas of where there's bait fish and balls of, uh, you know, silver bitties and, and herring and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you, you're, you're pulling them out. If they're in the deep water where you're casting, say, a, a spinnerbait, favourite colour is purple, if you're in that deep coloured water of, say, you know, Somerset Dam or wherever, uh, clear island waters, and you're casting into where there's no structure, it's just a lot of bait, you know, you can go lighter if you wanted to, not a problem at all. But when you're working heavy structured timber, definitely go that 2020. Because if you hook a good one, you just, they're a fish of a lifetime sometimes and you want to make sure you get them out. Absolutely, we're talking 50 centimetre plus fish. Yeah. You know, that, they will drill you and you will be, your boat will get towed to get these fish back. So you, you, although your boat's on the move with them, with that, uh, with that movement, you really want to have that drag locked and your rod's got to be set up really nicely so you can actually get them back. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of drag. You don't just lock it Obviously. up like a kingfish. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you were touching on wherever the riverbeds are. Does yep. that also go for where the valleys come in, where the creeks run in? Absolutely. Same sort of those, not, yep. not just the main riverbed, but any sort of yeah. inflow and 
deep Correct. into pockets. Yeah, like an inlet. So as your dam sort of, you know, I guess they, they vein out. Yep. You know, and you get in the back areas of those inlets and work the shadowed areas, you know, work against the the sun. So if the sun's going to be blaring onto a bank, don't go that side, go the other side so where it's shadowed. That, that goes for cod, so that's the same yeah, for bass? Exactly the same, right. absolutely. And and even though your fish may not be on the on the banks midday, because you know it does slow down middle of the day, that's when you move out to the deeper water and you look for your bait balls. Right. And that's where you're going to drop down, you do some ice jigs, are really good jigs to use. Uh, and of course you can use your squidgy, soft plastics, and also um, uh, your spinnerbaits. Yeah, they okay. Work Jackals so, are fantastic lures. So, so all of those lures that you would use basically for yellow belly and redfin work the same for bass? Pretty much. Pretty much, just, yep. just downsizing a little bit. Yeah. But what size spinnerbait? Oh, I don't really know the size that I would use. Just light. Light, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably and a half ounce or, or a three-eighth of an yeah, ounce. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I don't go too heavy uh, because then it becomes just like a, a, a plug fest when you're casting this thing out and hits the water, yeah. it's like a rock going in. So keep it fairly light, absolutely, yeah. I'm not entirely sure of the weight size, I just know the size that I see in the shop and I go and buy it. <laughs> and nice. I put a stinger hook, always put a stinger hook on your, right. on your, uh, on your rig. 100% yep. stinger hook. You'll get a lot of knocks, a lot of hits, and you won't hook them up. Yeah, okay, so the sting is definitely worth it when chasing bass. Yep. Okay, so, and when you're using lures, yeah. you're fishing the same areas, you're fishing the standing trees, the banks, those bays, the same as you would with bait. Yes, absolutely. If you're fishing with bait, you, you're not going to go into the back areas where there's, say, the little waterfalls, which is talking about the back areas of the, of the inlets on the running, you know, say the running tide, on a, uh, say that a waterfall is coming down. You wouldn't use bait there, I'd be using a lure. Yep. You know, I'd, I'd be casting a popper right into where that water's just going in there, and, and really slow. Yep. They're a slow fish. It's like if you fly fish for them, you use like a Dahlberg. Great lure to use yes. on pass, man. You cast that thing out, you know, and it hits the water. When it hits there, you don't retrieve it, shot it, just let it sit. And it was always 10 second rule. Yeah. And when it hits you, just give it a, a little twitch and just get the ringlets going like something's just hit the water from a tree. Yep. 10 seconds and then wait a second, just go bloop, bit of a strip on your fly line. Yep. Same deal with the popper, strip. And half the time they'll hit it really close to the boat. Yeah, and right. And they scare the absolute bejesus out of you. Yeah, right. That's what I hear. I hear a lot of bass anglers say, slow is better. They actually say even yeah. with top water, whether it be a popper or basically a fly, yeah. let the ringlets disappear. Absolutely. And then another one. Yep. So they must just either sit there and wait for it and just want something injured. And I guess it's representing cicadas. They obviously can't move real quick or... Correct. You're imitating what falls on the surface. That's right. And you, you watch what the, a cicada does. You know, if you throw one in the water, it sits there and it vibrates all the time. It sits really... It doesn't move fast, but it vibrates quickly. Therefore, it stays in that one little area, but the ringlets are just pushing out everywhere. Yeah, And right. you do the same thing. When, when you cast around a snag or a log, say there's half a tree hanging out of the water or in the water, yep. and it's deep, okay? You know it's deep water around it. It's not like a foot or two. You do get fish like that in the shallows at times, but realistically, the deeper water, you cast your popper, you know, just like an, a Hedden's popper is pretty good, and just cast it right up into there as close as you can to get to the tree. And just wait a second. It's already got the ringlets when it landed, 10 seconds, and just go bloop. And half the time, if the fish are sitting in the snags, they'll smash it in the snag. And that's yeah, where you want, right. you know, your 2020. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll do a lure. But I like to use lighter gear for them too. Um, with the spinnerbaits in deeper water, uh, we'll go out there and we'll use, uh, you know, two to four kilo outfit. Again, a little 2,500 reel, 10, 12 pound braid. And, you know, you're going about six to eight pound litre. Yeah, okay. So you go, you're really lightening it up. 
uh, but you're not hitting those snag areas. So um, then you can you can allow the fish to run. Oh, you can have fun with it. Yeah, them, for sure. Because because having 20-20, if you have smaller ones, they're going to come in pretty easy. But the reason you do it is because when you get that trophy fish, you want to make sure you can get it out. Yes. And they're not like a cod. For those of you who don't know what bass are like, they go. They are like yeah. turbocharged fish. So. Yep. Whereas a cod will hit it as soon as you get them a few cranks away from the log, you're pretty well safe. Yeah. And we still use heavy line and leader so that we can land that metre plus fish. But with yes. bass, yeah. a 50 centimetre fish is going to go like a truck. Absolutely. It'll be like a freight train. It'll be like you casting your lure onto a bridge and a bus catches <laughs> it on the windscreen wiper. And you're like, man, that was a good bus. But imagine this one here being like a... A double-decker bus. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a, a hard fight. And they're so good. And it'll always happen when you're not ready for it. Yeah. But winter fishing's a bit different because it's colder. They slow down, become lethargic. So you can still get them in winter. Absolutely. They're a fish. They're going to feed. You yeah, know, they're, right. they're not going to slow down and become skinny. They don't become as active, but you still get a lot of good quality fish there. Again, in those uh, warmer water pockets, thermoclines, middle of the dam. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get up in the shallows when it's a little bit warmer as the sun gets up high. So with this top water, you're using little little poppers, little flies if you're a fly fisher, yeah. the little cicadas, yes. um, stick baits work too, little tiny Absolutely. walk the dogs. So you're doing that in low light periods? Yes. So once the sun hits the water, you would... Go to deeper, I'd be using a spinnerbait. You'd be going deeper or Absolutely. if you're bait fishing, and troll. Use bait. And if you're going to okay. troll, a good idea too, if you're going to troll, say a small, um, you know, say the man's... Uh, a man's five plus. Yep. Okay. Uh, they're, they're a small little bobble style lure. Um, so what, are, what are they? It's, it's a man's five plus. So that means it goes down five feet. And then they yep. have the 10 plus, 15 and plus, 20 plus. The brand, the, the lure is a man's. Man's, yeah. yeah. How so do you spell that? M A N N S. They're okay, American. Cool. Yep. Um, been around for a long time. But anything similar, you know, just Google it, you'll find it. Yep. Um, but it, it, all, all it is is like a little tiny, it looks like a tadpole. Right. right. And it's got the bib on it. But what we used to do with those, the golden sunset was the favourite colour. Okay, it was like a goldeny sort of um, orangey, burnt orange colour. Yeah. And we would drop that thing back. We'd fish 30 to 40 feet of water. Yep. We'd drop it back. You know, we're talking 60 to 70 metres right. behind the boat. Drop your rod tip down so the rod tip is just skimming, just skimming at times the surface of the water. Yeah. Just. It's just above it, right? And what happens is that little five-foot de deep-diving lure will now get down to around 20 feet. Right. It'll drag. It, it'll go that far down. Absolutely. And you're running the same 2020 or are you a bit lighter doing this? Much lighter. Right. I was going to say because the oh, 20 would percent. pull it up. Yep. Forget it. So we'll run stuff like six pound braid, you know, six pound leader and just, you know, fluorocarbon leader and uh, and just let it all the way back and just drop your rod tip down and you'll get it down to a, an amazing depth. And something that small over an area, particularly where there's a lot of humps and, and hills and all that in the dam, because it's all being flooded, right? Right, yeah. um, And you know where those humps are, a great spot, a place called the Clary Hall Dam. Absolutely gorgeous spot. And uh, we would troll over this one hump, have the lures set way, way back, and Jesus, you get some good fish. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So as that lure comes over the hump, that's a feeding zone. Boom. For yep. the bass. Yep. They're nice. hanging in there, there's bait there. We've located our bait. Yep. You know, half the time we turn our sounders off. Uh, and we'll just mark that on the chart. If we're working a run, yep. we'll just do that. Because you've got electric engines. Some of these, a lot of these dams, you can't have an outboard on them, particularly the Clary Hall. Um, so, you know, you're using your electric. You're keeping really quiet. You haven't got your music blaring. And you, you've, you've found your run. You know where the fish are. Shut the sander off and just run your run on your chart plotter. Once you've found them. Once you've found them. Yep. And you know the fish are there. You've already marked them. 
yeah, and yeah, just yeah. let your line back and just just get out there and have a crack and, and let the line out further. 10 plus is a really good size lure as well. Okay, that's yeah. a really good technique. Mm. Especially if you've got kids that can't quite cast. Yeah, just set the rod up for them. Yep. See, when we used to troll offshore, and, 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 uh, and for flathead in particular, is that you lift your rod tip up when you're going over a shallow bank and there's a lot of weed and you get your lure off the bottom. And when you come off the weed bed and you go back into the sand flats, you drop your rod tip back down. And that uh, area, you imagine, your rod tip's on the water and then you lift up your six, six or seven foot rod, you're lifting it up six or seven or eight feet because your extension of your arm. So your lure is going up and when you want to lower it down, you lower your rod tip down. Same deal with the, when you're trolling. Keep your rod tip right down as close to the water as you can and the, water, the, the line will just drag it further back. It'll just, just shoot off on a nice angle. Yeah, right. So you're basically following the contour. That way your lure's not jamming into the point in the weed looking unnatural and Absolutely. you're missing the fish. Yeah, just lift it up and down. Because you need to represent the little bait fish swimming up there, over the weeds Correct. and down the other side. Absolutely. So it's just little common sense, little tricks like that. Massive, massive help, and it improves your fishing. So it sounds like bass fishing is very, especially in impoundments, very similar to golden perch. Australian okay. native, yeah. they do very similar things, and obviously redfin as well. Yep. Um, so if you're in a river chasing mm. bass, mm -hmm. anything you do different to what you do in the impoundments, do you, is top water good in the rivers? Top water's great, yeah. yeah. You have to, we always work a flood. Floods are really good. When the Wyvernhoe Dam went over in 2011, Right. And massive floods, flooded Brisbane, all that sort of stuff, big controversy. Um, is that when, when that went over, the dam wall, uh, they released so much water that a lot of the big fish went over the wall. Okay. So leave it for a couple of months, go and fish the, the new structure, because all the trees and logs got moved, shuffled, ripped down further, new ones fell in the water. So you had all this new structure, and we'd go and do the same thing. So you'd use... Uh, like your, you know, a, a blade would be good, a jackal would be great. You'd use, not really a spinnerbait, yep. a popper. Again, during summer, the cicadas are running. You hit those wild streams and, and creeks and rivers and do exactly the same what you're doing in the dam. Again, stay away from the, the, the sunlit areas, hit the shaded areas. Yep. Work the spots that is overflowing with a bank, such as foliage from a tree, yes. but it's nice and deep underneath it. You know, you know there's something living in there. It's all about ambushing, you know, they've got to feed. So if you get your lure up underneath that, you're doing okay. I do suggest that before you go and do that stuff is that you cast the hell out of your, your plug at home in a yeah. bucket because you want to be pretty accurate. Yeah, exactly, because obviously you need to be right on the structure. But you don't want to be too far because that's no, you don't. when lures. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're not cheap. No. They're super expensive. So, you know, you've got to, uh, you've got to make sure that you've you got it right. Using grubs is another really good way. You can use, um, you know, just like your big soft plastics and, and all of that sort of stuff, just like your worm profiles, your grub profiles. The Americans have really been on top of that for years and years and years, decades. Um, so, you know, we used to bring over buckets of those things yeah, uh, right. from the States and just find the best one that you could and away you go. But um, a lot of the fish would be, you know, you, you look at what, they say, a lot of the experts say, when you rig a plastic onto your hook, mm -hmm. um, is to make sure it, it looks natural straight on your jig head, Yep. right? If you think about it, you've got to work your rod tip to make it look injured, to, to show what it's doing, the tail's got to wobble and all that jazz. But if you hook it up a little bit bent, okay, one of the best lures on the market in today is a bent minnow, okay? Yep. Bent minnow, fan fantastic lure. And they don't do much, they're bent. They, when you retrieve them back, whether you just dead stick them back or you get a bit of a flick, is they're darting left and right. Same deal as your soft plastic. If you hook it a little bit bent, yeah. trust me, it's going to work. It doesn't look, you'll look at it because we've been put into our heads from other you know, 
experts in the field saying it's got to be straight. You need it straight. It's got to look straight. For flathead, you know, things like that, maybe you're going to flick it around. I kind of get it. But realistically, if you're targeting certain species and they're after that injured fish, mm. rig it bent. But yeah. make, sure the, make sure the tail is facing to the left or to the right, not straight. Okay. Because then it will kick. It'll kick. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So you could apply that to any style of fishing, really. Correct. Absolutely, yeah. you can. But the bent minnow, obviously Americans and Japanese in particular, um, you know, they've designed that uh, off, off, you know, for that simple reason. That's, I think if you rig a soft plastic incorrectly, you're probably going to catch a lot more fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because it goes against what you learn, but obviously yeah. it depends on the situation, but especially with little grubs and yeah. things like that, if it's darting around, it's going to look injured. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. But you're right, though. If you're going to use like a soft plastic then for snapper out at sea, like a big gulp, seven inch or something like that, you know, nuclear chicken colour, um, you want to keep that straight because you've got current, you've got depth, you know, and you're just going to whip that tail a little bit there and make it a little bit more natural looking rather than an injured yep. uh, bait fish down at that depth for the snapper in particular because you need to keep it stealth and it's got to be smooth as it goes down otherwise it'll take too long if it's bent yeah yeah 100 percent. so a yeah. couple of those dams mention those again so clary hall south of where you are yes clary hall is in the back areas of mwoolumbar south of the tweed yeah um and of course you know so clary hall then you head up and you've got the uh, little narang dam is a great dam to fish but yep. these dams don't have outboard powered vessels allowed okay. on them. So it's all, generally you can go out in a kayak or a canoe uh, or electric engine. Um, and then you head into Little Narang Dam, rolls into the Hins Dam, and that's really good fishing. You've got two arms, Western Arm and the Eastern Arm. Western Arm goes up to Number Bar Valley, the Eastern Arm runs up behind Mudru Bar into Little Narang Dam. Yep. Um, so you've got two dams there. And then you head up further upstream and you've got uh, Wyvernhoe, which obviously feeds off Somerset Dam, which is the original Brisbane water. And you can fish dam. both of those for Absolutely bass? you can. Yep. And they're monster bass. Wyvernhoe's got some of the biggest bass in this country. Wow. Mm, but they're an impoundment fish, so they've been stocked. Yep. You know, they, they're, they're not a wild fish. I love wild fish. Yep. You know, if you can get out there, they've got a lot more now storm. If you catch a barramundi in the tropics, got a million of those things, they go hard. They fight hard because there's current, there's crocodiles, there's, it's wild. But then when you get a barramundi at a Wonga Dam, the thing might be 60 pound, okay, it's fat. They don't jump, they're too big, they're lethargic. There's nothing for them to do but gorge themselves on crayfish and, right. and, and, and silver bitties and stuff like that, herring. So, you know, bony broom. So these particular fish, uh, bass in an impoundment opposed to a wild stream bass, chalk and cheese. Yeah, okay. Still go hard, really hard, don't get me wrong. But the ones in the rivers, you've got a lot more territory for, their, for them to get into. And they'd be a bit more cluey, would they? Oh, or not I, really, they're both similar. Yeah, they're similar. Um, the ones in the rivers and the creeks, though, you, you tend to, they don't, you don't get a lot of them. You do in certain times of the year, right. uh, again, during summer. But it's, I guess it's more along the lines that, that you know, there's a lot more structure there and they're more accustomed to that area but the structure does move with floods too right so i guess it's that point of not knowing what is exactly around you so when you do cast out am i going to get bricked whereas in a dam you know there's trees there you can see the trees yeah it's a bit different in a, yep. in a, in a river totally understand well mate you've covered a lot of awesome tips thanks Steve. for someone who's even just just getting into bass fishing or someone who's done it for a long time yeah they've got to have got something something out of yeah, the information so. you've shared today yeah. so um that's all we've got time for and thank you we'll touch again on step outside Yes. Go check it out. Yeah. It's an awesome show. You showed me one of the episodes you put together and it's just a range of quality tips and content that you can use for anything. Yeah, it is. It's it's across the board. And you know, we give 
a hundred dollar gift voucher every week away to someone who's caught a fish. We've done it so many times with the kids, the mums, the dads. Yeah. And of course, you know, the dudes out there have got the big trevally or the big, you know, cold trout. But it's not just fishing, it's also if you just, it's all about stepping outside. So even if you've got a good campsite, you know, uh, and, you, and you're sitting on the back highlands of wherever you're from down in Wagga, yeah. you know, for example, you've got the, the fire going, the billy's boiling away, and you've got your rods leaning against a tree, take a photo, send it in. And you know you can win yourself a hundred dollar gift voucher. Thanks to our friends at Anaconda. That's awesome. Cool, that man. That is awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Paul. It's no worries, a, buddy. It's been a good five days at the boat show. Yep. I appreciate you sharing some knowledge there, and you'll have to come down and chase Murray Cod at some stage. I will, mate, for sure. And of course, everyone who's listening, watch it because we're going to have Reese on our show. He will be featuring his tips and tricks on on on, uh, on step out so it's be good to have you on board mate no i really appreciate that it'll be really good Sweet i can't ass. wait to be fun thanks paul have fun And there you have it, guys. What a great episode it was, sitting down and having a chat with Paul. Isn't he just an awesome guy, full of energy, passion, and willing to share as much as he can? Paul is the kind of person I love talking to, connecting with, and interviewing. Fishing is all about the common passion we share, and I believe there isn't enough sharing and openness when it comes to this great sport. Too much is secretive. People don't like to share, and they keep it all to themselves, which I do understand, especially fishing spots or where people catch fish and I'm not going to lie I used to be like that when I was younger as well and I think it comes from the fact that I had to work so hard to figure it out and do the research to find the best spots and then I'd finally catch a fish or get success and I just wanted to keep them as close to my chest as possible and I understand that many anglers do the same. I was like this back when I was 15, 16 and 17 when I was starting to catch fish and get success but then I started to realize that I wouldn't have been able to catch as many great fish as I did if it wasn't for some people in my life sharing information and what they knew. And I realized that there may be someone out there who was like me who would benefit from what I've learned over the many years. They could use the content and and what I share with them to help them catch fish and they can feel the same happiness as I did when I was catching fish. I've learnt there is more to fishing than just fishing for yourself. I much prefer to hear success stories from people who are impacted by the content we create and that's the whole reason behind starting this podcast. So I want to thank Paul once again for this episode. I learnt a lot about targeting bass myself and I hope you have as well. As always, if you enjoyed this episode or any episode of the podcast, jump onto Apple Podcasts and leave a review and please rate the podcast. Also, don't forget everyone, if you have a question for us, please send it through your social fishing account. Jump on, submit your listener questions and we will read them out in the next episode and answer everything you have to ask us. Thanks for listening to this episode. You'll be hearing from me next week and for those of you who are heading out chasing bass, good luck with your trip and I hope you find yourself one that pushes that magic 50 centimeter mark. Good luck guys with your next trip, your next adventure and don't forget to tell your mates about the Social Fishing Podcast.